Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. I have a new friend here today, Nikki Deloche. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a, I'm a real fan of what you do. Oh, you're so sweet. I love that. So listen, we have a connection. Um And I love connections. So Nikki Deloche was on the Mickey Mouse Club. That's correct, right? That is correct. Okay. And so we didn't grow up having cable. So I didn't know much about the Mickey Mouse Club. But we are like really good friends with Tony Luca's mom. Stop it. And yes, is that so really really good friends with Sally. And and I know. And his cousin Cole. They're like some of our best friends, Cole and his wife Annie. And they're just these monster musicians, their whole family. So it was such a fun connection when um when you guys emailed about being on the podcast. And I was like, oh, I know the Mickey Mouse Club, that whole team. So, um, so, so Nikki, you have got this long list of credentials and I love people who have long lists of credentials because it's like, you've just gone after life and made things happen. Um, and I think that is so, it's just inspiring and, um, to have this Thank full you. and wonderful life. And so my list here, I'm going to hold it up cause I'm not going to read it through. <laughs> Look at that! Because we're going to have the oh video, too. Look at this list of credentials. Take a minute. Wow. Give us some highlights. Tell us a little bit about yourself. and um, give, us, give us the highlight reel here. Well, um, I will start, I'll start at the beginning and then just flash through. Yeah. Um, you know, I think one of the reasons I'm so um, drawn to what you do is I grew up in the South in a really small town. Um where I basically lived outdoors all of the time. I had an incredible childhood. I had that childhood where you just had to be home by the time it got dark. I, you know, never really watched TV. I um, lived outside in the trees, in the spillway with the animals, you know, getting filthy, um, mudding on four wheelers, going mudding. And, you know, I was completely an outdoor kid and, I live in Los Angeles now, so it makes it and with two kids. So I am thirsty for getting my boys outside and your, yeah. what you do inspires me so much. So, um, that's where I was born and raised Blackshire, Georgia. And at a really young age, I did, I got Mickey mouse club. And by the way, Sally Luca, who we were talking about, we have that connection. Um, Tony Luca's mom, she's one of those moms, especially when I met her, I was 12 when I first met her. So she's wow. one of those, she's like wow. the cool mom that you're like, yes. Oh man, you just want to be around her. You yeah. just want to hang out the whole family. The whole, the whole family, family is like, that it's you know I played so Tony's aunt Mary passed away um uh, maybe a year and a half ago and or maybe a year ago and um they had a celebration of life service Mm -hmm. this past summer and I got to play the piano at it which was such an incredible honor um but you know to be around that whole family and they're just you know you there's not many like them and you know where everyone is talented and everyone is warm you know, and everyone is loving and you just, they make you feel like you're a part of them Yeah. even when you're not. And, and you want to be, yeah. you want to be a part of them. So it's something I've thought about so often, like how can you emulate that, in, that warmth? And it's so neat to hear that they've always been like that. They've always been that way. It's true. And Mickey Mouse Club was such a giant part of my life. It's really in a lot of ways. I had done some kid stuff, like kid movies and, mm-hmm. you know, performances and stuff like that in commercials. But this was the first big thing. And it was a giant thing um, that I got. And I was 12 and 
you know, we moved to, uh, I moved to Florida with my grandmother and I was down there doing Mickey Mouse club. And that was a, that was one of the coolest things that I've done in my career. Um, so, so talk to me about, were you on a farm in Georgia? I thought I might have heard that somewhere. Yeah. So how, yeah. how do you go from a farm in Georgia, you know, to age yeah. 12 being on the Mickey Mouse club? What's that path? Well, I'll say, you know, that wasn't as jarring to the system as it was when I moved to Los Angeles, <laughs> you know, because in Orlando, I was four hours from my home. And so it was a going back and forth, you know, I was still a kid. So yeah. when we would wrap up on hiatus, I would go back to Blackshear and, you know, go back into normal school and all of that. And I was really wow. lucky because in my small town, there was not every, nobody ever treated me any differently. Yeah, because I was on TV or I did movies and television. Um, I was just Nikki. They always just treated me exactly the same, which was such a gift. Um, and yeah. especially my parents. Are you kidding me? It was chores on the weekends, you know, cleaning their yeah. cars, cleaning the pool, picking up pine cones, raking, mowing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I really did have that. Were, beautiful. were you, were you like a singer, a dancer, a performer from like a really dancer young first. age? It's something yeah. that just, you loved and it oh, I loved sort it. of spurred you on. And yes. that's, that's how you ended up, you know, being on the Mickey Mouse club. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I loved it. Like, you know how some kids, you see the moms kind of pushing them out. Yeah. They're like, go out there, go out there. I was pushing myself. My parents were, my, my dad was in timber and trucking and my mom was a teacher and an educator. And both of them were like, I don't know what to do with this child. Like she (laughs) wants to go and be a performer. But when I say that this small town, I mean, we had one traffic light. So, you know, Mm -hmm. we were kind of just winging it, but I knew from the time I was three years old, what I wanted to do. And that sounds insane, but I think that some of us, we find what we want to do as we explore and we get curious about things. And then we lock into things that, oh, no, I want to do this. Like as you get older, you know, I want to go to med school or I want to be an engineer. I was born knowing exactly what I wanted to do. And I think for me, it started with dancing and then it quickly shifted into singing. And then when I got on the Mickey Mouse Club, I had an opportunity to act And that was a whole other world came to life inside of me because what I realized is like, besides dancing, which was my first love, you know, I, I, as idyllic as my childhood was, I also went through some really tough things and dancing was my way of moving trauma or moving Hmm. hurt or pain out of my body. And I instinctually knew how to do that as a child, which was really cool. I think about all that all the time with like, you know, our body talks to us all day long. And because of the world that we live in now, we've been trained not to listen to it, but for centuries, you know, we had to listen to our body for survival. And so as a child, I very much knew that, oh, dance is how I move emotions Mm -hmm. through and out. And, um, and then it became, acting and the same kind of thing happened of being able to like, I think for me, the thing about acting and storytelling in general, that as a child, it hit me emotionally because I would watch, whether it was a musical or a movie, I watched a lot of that with my grandmother. I spent the weekends with my grandmother and we would rent movies and watch them. Special. I, it's so special. Mm -hmm. And it would make me not feel alone if somebody else was going through something. So I, 
thought, oh, yeah. the power of just storytelling in whatever capacity that is, whether it's through, you know, writing or art or podcasting or acting or dance. There's so many ways of telling story, telling a story and the stories that we tell, it's like a living, breathing history of who we are. But not only that, you know, when we tell our story or when we hear somebody else's story, we don't feel so alone in the world. We feel seen, we feel understood, we feel heard. And I Mm -hmm. think at the end of the day, that is the human condition. All we really want in life is to be seen and heard and understood. And that's what telling, that's what the power of storytelling does. So I knew at a very young age that I, that's what I wanted to do. And and I didn't know what it was going to look like, but I knew that's what I wanted to do. And it's interesting that you knew so young and that's probably partially why your accomplishment sheet is so long, (laughs) you know, because you were driven and you, um, you already knew when you were really little. We have a friend that's also actually friends with Cole, which is Tony's cousin, just all these really good musicians. His name's Jason. And he talked about, it's a long time ago, he's a guitar player. And he talked about how like, you know, the economy kind of like, you know, goes up and down. And he said, I'll, I'll never be out of work because people will always need to be entertained or want to be entertained. Mm. I thought that was such mm. an interesting thing, like, you know, to be an entertainer. And like you said, to to be able to provide these stories that people can enter into and relate to and um, connect to. So, uh, or just relief. Cool. Yeah. Sometimes just yeah. relief. Sure. Sure. Yeah. We had a friend, we had a friend who lost their son tragically. And she said the best, the best gift that they got, um, were movie tickets. She said, because Mm -hmm. for a short period of time, they could go and sort of escape and find relief and, and sort of lose themselves in that, you know, um, storyline. And that was really, Mm -hmm. was really an interesting thing. To that hear. is really interesting. So, um, so yeah, so you're an entertainer in so many different capacities. You have a movie that just came out. I do. Yes. It's yeah. called, it was called Taking the Reins. Okay. And it was a movie. The horse that, movie? Obviously, it was a right? horse movie, <laughs> okay. yes. It was um, kind of a dream come true for me because I'd, I love horses. I grew up riding horses and yeah. being around horses. Um, my grandfather was a real cowboy. And loved land. His whole thing was land. And, you know, um, he found so much value in it. He would tell me all the time, like this, this is where you put your money. You put your money into the earth. And I know he was the wisest man. And, um, and yeah, and then I had a dad, you know, who would take me out into the woods because he knew nature and trees so well. He was in forestry and he would walk me through and mm. show me which bushes could be used for soap if you were, you know, you needed to wash your wow. hands or like, you know, which wow. trees were which and what you could eat off of and what you couldn't eat off of. And, you know, yeah, I had that wow. kind of child. It was so yes. So great. So taking the reins sort of went back, you know, took you back to your childhood, I'm sure. Exactly. It took me back to that. And it was a a project that my producing and writing partner and I, we developed, um, we both starred in it and we both, you know, wrote, uh, did the last rewrite of it. So it was very, um, 
you know, near and dear in terms of a project that we had our hands all over and we got to film it in Connecticut and every day just with horses, with the most magnificent horses in all the land. And, you know, I was going through uh, probably not, it's hard to say the toughest time of my life Mm. because I've had a lot of really tough times, but it was definitely next to, you know, open heart surgery with my youngest son who went through it three times. Um, yeah. But this was a different kind of painful. I was losing my dad. Um, and, and he just very recently so, here, uh, July 27th. Yes. I'm so sorry. Thank you so much. And I wrapped that movie on July mm. 26th and, wow. and, you know, it was such divine timing because my thing was always, I wanted to be there with my dad to hold his hand. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, he loved my, my movies and he loved when I did, t- you know, he loved watching sure. me on TV. Sure. So that was a movie that I made, you know, I, it was hard because I didn't want to go and I didn't want to leave him. Mm. And at the same time, I, I knew that my dad would tell me you need to go and do it. And then I'm going to wait for you. And he did. And he waited for me. So wow. it's this very special movie to me because I really made it, you know, with my family and my heart and my mind the whole time. Yeah. And um, yeah. And you can see that on Hallmark. They re re-air it all the time, but yeah, it was a really beautiful movie. Well, you've talked about two, two really interesting topics here about healing and yeah. and trying to heal yourself and and therapy and so one of one of the things you talked about was healing through movement mm-hmm. and then healing here through nature experiences or being around these horses and I know a lot of people maybe not a lot of people but some people do horse you know horse type of therapy or animal yes. therapy so are you comfortable sharing some of your hard you know your hard things and and very and what um sort of what has helped you uh, move forward and and continues to help you move forward? Very, very comfortable with that. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the reasons I do this is because, you know, after my first son, and it's kind of where it began because, you know, growing up in the South, especially as a young girl, you are taught it is better to be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. So you are taught that your opinion does not matter, nor should it be spoken. You know, it is better to just put on some lipstick, put on a cute dress and show up and look pretty for people. And that was not who I was as a child. I was, I was very vocal. I had a lot of questions and a lot of opinions and it made me a very, very tough child in a, in a part of the world where girls weren't supposed to be empowered. Right. Um, yeah, so, and you're playing in the mud. If you're playing in the mud, I'm, then you're not going to show up necessarily looking super pretty. <laughs> never. I was the girl, you know, that before I even got to church, you know, I ripped off my pantyhose every single Sunday. So I, you know, but healing is something that um, has been I've been interested in my whole entire life. How do we heal? What does that look like? What are the many ways that we heal? Right. And, you know, like I learned at a very young age, movement was such a big thing for moving trauma out of your body. And after I had my first son, I had extreme, um, suicidal, um, postpartum anxiety. And I'm not a person who can actually take meds. A lot of women can take meds and it can kind of get them out of it. My body doesn't actually um, do well with them. I get really sick. I get sicker. Uh, so I really had to just like figure out how to get myself out of it in a natural way. And 
you know, it was all about moving my body, getting that oxytocin and dopamine running through my body. And, and I would just start to come back alive every single day that I moved my body. And so I, it works. It really, really works. The other thing is like, I tell people all the time, cause that first son that was born, he has, um, vestibular and proprioceptor issues. And for people that don't know, those are two sense systems that we never really talk about. We talk about our sight and our hearing and our smell and our taste and all of this, but these are two giant sense systems um, that are responsible for how we receive information through our body. And then the way in which we receive information through our body. And then the other system actually tells our brain and our body what to do. So if you have a very, um, um, you know, like for Hudson, his proprioceptor and vestibular issues were out of like 2%. If you were saying like two out of 2% out of a hundred, right. So wow. super, super immature, um, sense systems. And he would sit in a chair, right. But because his sense system was so underdeveloped, it wouldn't tell his brain, well, this is how you sit in the chair. So he would be moving and flopping all around and everybody thought he had ADD or ADHD yeah. or was on or autism or something like that. And I'm like, no, 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 that doesn't feel right. So when we went and got him assessed, we figured that out. One of the and that's biggest things. Really common. I mean, I've read news, so I've read common. articles about it that kids are falling out of their chairs and it's just happening more and more. And that those yep. two systems that you brought up, the vestibular and the proprioception, that those are cornerstone or foundational. Yep. So everything else builds on those. And so if those are shaky, then you, you're going to have a hard time with the other ones. It's so true. Thank you for bringing that up. And the biggest part of it is regulation. So what I learned with my son, and I always knew this as a kid because I lived outside, but it was, you know, all came back to me. I got to get him outside. I got to get him in nature. Yeah, you knew. We, we move and operate in this environment of technology and everything moves so fast, but the pace that we are actually supposed to be moving at is the pace of nature. So if you want to regulate your body, go and just literally stand next to a tree and breathe wow. yeah. and tap in, or touch a tree and try to tap into the breath of nature, how mm-hmm. it's moving. Listen to the birds, get really present to what you're hearing, to what you're seeing, to what you're feeling. And within 90 seconds, boom, it's going to regulate your body. So for Hudson, it was all about like getting him out in nature. And that was so healing Mm-hmm. to him, you yeah. know? And so it also reminded me as I moved through three heart surgeries with my son, right? Mm-hmm. What do I do in that moment? Oh gosh, I have to regulate my body. What do I do? Yeah. Well, I can move my body. I can get myself out in nature. I can, you know, there's all of these tools in the toolbox yeah. that you can use at different times. And then, um, when my dad passed, you know, it was, it, it's the same thing. I, I have to say, I, I got up to, I will share this because it, you know, I went to up to Canada to do my Christmas movie. And I had two movies going up there at the same time, one that I was starring in another one that my writing partner and I wrote that I was not in. Mm-hmm. And, um, I got up there and by myself and I was away from my kids for the first time. I've never spent a a chunk of time away from them like that. They're young, right? Are they? They're young, four and four and eight. And I, 
I know, but because of COVID, I couldn't cross in and out of the border. Right. And I knew it wasn't an accident that I was going to be up there by myself. I knew that, you know, for me, God, I'm a big person of faith, but you could call Mm -hmm. source or energy or universe, whatever word you want to use. It's essentially the energy that connects all of us, um, had put me there on purpose because I had to process this giant grief of losing my dad. Mm -hmm. And, um, I have to tell you for those first 10 days, I felt like an earthquake, like it was scary. Yeah. Scary how much grief was coming up and out of my body. It literally felt like an earthquake inside. And I thought to myself, wait, I know what it feels like to move pain through my body. And yet I'm still scared. Wow. This is why people run from these feelings. This is why people drink their way out of it or drug their way out of it or eat their way out of it or work so hard all the time and keep themselves so busy that they don't have to feel it because this is so hard and painful. And also what I learned in that moment was like, oh, we can trust our bodies. Mm -hmm. Like, where the pain is, we are, we think we're running away from the pain, but we're actually running away from the healing. It yeah. was this giant aha of like, oh yes, this is why everyone in society is running. And also they're all running away from their healing yeah. because we haven't been taught that we can trust our bodies and we can yeah. listen. They're talking to us all the time. We're just not getting quiet enough to listen. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. 
If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit BetterHelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 1000 hours. Yeah. This is all such so powerful. that was huge. This is powerful because, um, you know, anxiety disorders and anxiety in general are still on the rise. I had a yes an interview recently with um, a man named Tom who wrote this book called Disconnected. Um, oh, I listened to the interview. It was great. Was, wasn't it? He's so great. And he That's talked right. about how, you know, that he was a school counselor and for, for a long time, you know, they saw the same thing, same thing, same thing. And then right around when the iPhone came out, he said for the very first time, they started to see these anxiety disorders um, in middle school and high schoolers. And he said it was something that didn't exist before. Didn't exist. It's, and then he said yeah, all of a sudden of it was deficit disorder, It was called what? Acqui- and then he talked about acquired. that too, even as a, a separate thing that acquired a tef- attention deficit disorder. And so all of these big changes and 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 here you have, you know, this this solution that we're not as a society we're not really embracing that you learned from your childhood, you know. But that movement is healing, and that nature is healing, and those are the things that kids are not doing, and adults, but but kids for sure are not doing. You know, the statistic is that kids are on screens for four to seven hours, but only outside mm. and free play for four to seven minutes. Those are daily averages in America. So um, this is a whole different angle, Nikki, wow. you know, that, you know, I think we talk about get outside, you know, and it's going to help your cognition and it's going to help you emotionally, you know, it's going to help your social skills, but it's going to help you heal. That's right. Yeah. It is. And I, I really and truly believe that we have just taken on, and I don't know if we, it's even conscious that we've done it as a society. The things that we value, I feel, are so skewed now. Mm. It's actually far more simple than we think it is, you know? Um, yeah. My son tells me what he needs, and it's our job to listen as parents, right? Yeah. I, he comes home, He came home, it was not this past Monday, but the Monday before that. And he had tutoring after school because again, proprioceptor vestibular, he's doing really well, but we're still, he's still not like, you know, he's still struggling with some stuff. So we having an OT and we having the tutoring and we make that fun, all play-based so that he feels like he's playing through all of that. He doesn't even realize that he's working on these sim systems. So he had tutoring. And then he had karate again, got him in karate because you're crossing the, you know, your yeah. body meridian and you're do, you're working on like building those neurons. And then he got home at like five, uh, five 30, it was time for bath and then dinner. And he fell apart. Mm. He fell apart because he didn't get to go outside and play. Ah, their bodies. know. Their, Their bodies, bodies know. know. Yeah, they know. And I was sitting there and instead of saying like, you know, well, buddy, you, you know, you got to go and do this and you got to go and do karate and da, 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 da. Instead of telling him that it didn't matter. What he needed to hear is, buddy, I'm so sorry. You're right. You need a chance to play every single day. And yeah. he didn't get a chance to do that today. And I'm really sorry. And let me figure out a way in your schedule that we can make sure that you get that every single day. And so it's my job to listen to him because he's listening to his body. Yep. And, and, you know, 
in a way, it's been such a gift that he had these things as a child, because, you know, for me, it, I was a kid who, you know, they diagnosed me at three years old, by the way, with ADD. And, and that's, I think actually. that's how it, I think that is what that Tom was saying, that that's how it, in the past, you know, that those diagnoses happened at young ages. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they put me on medicine and then I was just a zombie in a corner. I wouldn't move. And my grandmother, who was a nurse, happened to come into the preschool and go, what is, what? No, absolutely not. We are getting her off medicine. She is not going to take this stuff and we're going to get this child moving. And she was the one that she put me into dance. Wow. So how, what, right. What? What? Well, and there's so many layers to that, which is, first of all, I think that when things happen with our children, you know, no, no one has a perfect situation with their children. You know, there's, they come and and you sort of think it's going to be perfect, but they're born. And a lot of times there's issues, right? Right at the beginning or these issues, different issues arise and it's scary and you question your ability to be able to deal with them and you feel grief for them at these different yeah. at the different things but here you get this diagnosis at a young age and it was the starting point for your whole sheet everything <laughs> right? i Literally, mean good everything. thing good thing <laughs> Because I mean, that's I where really, the dance lessons came from. And I true. think the multi-generational piece there is so neat that your grandma had that influence in your life, that she was at the preschool. That is really fantastic. And that there was an answer for you, you know, of of other things that helped. Um, not that I'm not against medication at all, but other things that helped besides that, you know. Um, yeah. So there's well, that. I have layered. a hard time. It's very layered. I do have a hard time with meds only because, you know, as somebody who works with the Alzheimer's Association and has lost two people in my life to dementia, um, I know that some of these medications that I've now been able to link studies to Alzheimer's and dementia later on in life for ADD and ADHD medication. So I'm very, I actually am. Well, let's talk about that for one second, because there's this book that you may be familiar with. Um, called smart moves have you heard of it i'm not no okay so it's by i think you'd really like it it's by a pediatric occupational therapist so someone who's seeing sort of this front line of decline in skills and the subtitle is why learning is not all in your head and that and the author is carla hannaford she's a phd i've never met her i'm not like personally connected with her but in her book she has this statistic nikki where she says that um elderly people who dance regularly have a 76% less chance of developing dementia. Elderly yep. people who dance. And so it's interesting. So what you just said made me really think, you know, could it be that this lack of movement, because you said you were on these medications and then you just sat in the corner, you know, yeah. when you really were a child that was meant to be moving, you know, That's if these right. medications are affecting our movement, and, you know, because yes. she goes on to say that those it's these complex movements that protect our brain function. It's really yes. an interesting statistic. 76% less chance is humongous. I mean, humongous. that is yeah. a statistic that everyone should know. We should all be dancing, you know, that's and playing right. a music. Well, that's my playing word. A musical <laughs> instrument is similar. You know, I think it's not quite as high, but playing a musical instrument, I think is 69% less chance. So, you know, that, yeah. that there are things, I feel like the theme of this, whole conversation is that there are simple things that we can do 
to enhance and to protect our lives. It's, you nailed it. It's so true. And so for him, you know, I was triggered, obviously, when people started throwing words at me and, you know, medication for your child and all of this stuff. And listen, there are some kids I'm sure that absolutely need it, that there is like, you know, and, and when it is necessary, you know, parents have to do what they have to do. I was just really focused on trying to figure out a different way for him because I was given a different way by my grandmother and, you know, for, for Hudson specifically, you know, we, we were able to find that we were able to lock into, you know, different things. I mean, over 50% of us are neurodiverse, which means that there actually is no quote unquote normal. In fact, to be neurodiverse is normal, right? Yes. (laughs) So so, that's what the statistics would say. Absolutely. That's Mm -hmm. what the statistics would say. So like, how can we, how can I, as a mother, you know, how can I talk to him and teach him that he has to listen to his body and have a strong relationship with his body? So what Hudson and I do, which is really cool is, you know, he will come to me sometimes and he will say, mom, I'm feeling anxiety now, you know, he's eight now, but he's been doing this since he was six you know, mm-hmm. and I will, li- we will literally have the conversation where I'll say, well, where do you feel it in your body? And he can sit there and say to me, I feel it in my chest or I feel it in my throat. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, well, what does it feel like right in your throat? And he'll very specifically be able to describe to me that it feels like he's choking, like somebody has their hand around his throat and is tightening into the throat. So then we go through, okay, well, let's, what do you think would make that feel better? What do you think would, you know, make that part of your body, like just relax a little bit. And sometimes it's breathing into it. And sometimes he says, I I need to just run around and, you know, maybe I just need to lay down maybe, you know, but he it's teaching him. It's asking the questions so that he begins to learn how to be in charge or not in charge, but more be in re- good relationship, a healthy relationship with his body, listening to it. Because later in life, this is what really gets us in trouble when we don't listen to our body, right? Yes. As I agree. a woman, oh, I mm-hmm. have a pain. I have a this, but I'm going to ignore it because I'm so busy. The next thing we know, we're in the doctor's office. It's cancer, right? But at a, uh, even a younger age, it's, um, um, you know, I'm having anxiety, but I'm going to ignore it. And what does that turn into? Some type of like, you know, uh, overwhelm that a child yeah. will feel where they're not able to focus. They're not able to feel joy. Um, our bodies mm-hmm. are talking to us constantly. Oh, yeah. at 16, <clears throat> when you're with a group of friends and they're drinking and your gut and something inside mm-hmm. says, oh, this feels really scary. This feels yeah. really scary. But I guess everybody's doing it. So if you haven't learned at a really young age to listen to your body and trust yeah. what your body is telling you, it is hard in those moments to go, well, I'm just going to ignore I'm just going to ignore my body. But if you have learned how to do that, you are highly attuned to what your body is saying and much more likely to go, Hey, you guys, I'm just going to like, I'm just going to head out. You know, I'm just going to go home. Like I'm tired. So it actually affects everything that you do for the rest of your life. 
Yeah, it sure does. Well, so tell us, Nikki, how, so in LA, right, you're, you're no longer mm-hmm. on a farm in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So tell us in LA, because this is a big question that people ask, um, you know, how, how are you uh, getting nature experiences in the city? I, yes, it's really hard. I have to say it's so hard. We do get out of the city as much as we can. Um, you know, COVID, um, was awful for everyone. We were very privileged inside of COVID. Um, I call that out because, you know, I, I, we were, um, you know, my husband and I were both able to work from home. Yeah. We were able to pay our bills. Um, we were able to travel all over the country. We couldn't fly because, you know, my youngest, because of his heart stuff is very compromised, Mm -hmm. but we drove all over the country. I mean, you know, the saddest thing, I think the hardest thing for me during COVID is I couldn't get to my dad, not for, you know, a, a real, like almost a year. I just couldn't get to him because the numbers, especially in the South were so bad. And I couldn't take Bennett into a place where, you know, people weren't loving the mask and they weren't loving like, you know, so I had to be super, super, super careful with him. Mm -hmm. Um, but the second that it was safe and my family was vaccinated and I was vaccinated, um, we rented an RV and we drove across country and we probably put, you know, on our cars, we probably did 25,000 miles. We drove to Georgia several times we stopped everywhere. Grand Canyon. Um, I mean, I think we ended up driving to Utah like five different times. We, wow. We, That's on um, our bucket list. Yeah. We drove, oh gosh, it's, it's incredible. Um, we did White Sands, New Mexico. We did, we stopped everywhere all over this country. Yeah. Um, we also drove up. I did two movies in Canada. We drove up to Canada. So we went through Portland and Washington and all of that. We got to Canada. Then we drove across Canada to Winnipeg for another movie. We drove back down. How neat. And everybody is like, I cannot believe that you guys drove with two children and a dog. And I would say, was it a lot harder? Yes. But what we learned as a family is we need to be in a place where we are outside. So, you know, right now we are in Los Angeles and we're kind of on the, like, we got a couple more years here before we go find a big farm somewhere and set up camp, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> cause that's what my boys want. They're very honest. Yeah. Like Hudson will go to the farm in Georgia or the grand Canyon or wherever. And he'll go see mom. This is what I'm talking about. He's like, like your, he's like your grandpa. Land is. land is where it's at, right? He, he knows. Is. He, <laughs> he is my grandpa. I tell him yeah. all the time. I'm like, I'm so sad that, mm. you know, my, my, your great grandpa, my grandpa passed before you were able to spend time with him because they are, you know, they are so similar. And also Hudson means son of Hugh and Hugh, it, that was my grandfather, Hugh Mack Thompson. So he's actually even Aww. named after my, my grandfather That's and he special. certainly has his spirit. So for us, we, we try to get out of the city as much as possible. There's a lot of beautiful places to visit in California where you can like pop out, you can go to Lake Arrowhead, you can go to, um, you know, Idlewild, you can go to, um, uh, you can even, there's a lot of really beautiful hikes. Um, there's Oxnard where you can just go and be on the beach. We go to the beach a lot. As much as possible, we try to like get out and get outside yeah. and get the boys fishing and camping. We love to go camping. 
Um, that's, that's a big thing with the boys, uh, turn off those cell phones and just get out there and like, wake up, you know, go to sleep with the stars, you know, under the stars. Um, it is highly important to our mental health for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So those are some great suggestions. It's like things that are local, things that are further away, you can camp, um, you know, and it's about just framing your life that way, right? And saying these are the things that, you know, are important to us and we know that our mental health needs them. And so you go, that's really awesome. And you know, nature is everywhere. Scott Sampson has it in his book. I say this a lot, but he's got a quote in his book. It's called How to Raise a Wild Child. And he says, nature is coming up through the cracks in the sidewalk. And, you know, we can find fascination anywhere in the city, in the country. You know, you walk around the block and, you know, you see the clouds. I mean, there's still so much nature um, that can affect us. So no matter where I was just about to, I was just about to bring that up. The other thing that we're very big on that I do is just practicing present presence wherever we're going. So if we're, you know, they're riding their little scooters on the sidewalks, it's like, if you see a little mushroom thing growing out of the tree, you know, stop and go, Whoa, look at this boys. Come over here. Look at this. Look at this. Like, look how that's growing out of the tree. How cool is that? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, just pointing it out all the time, because like you said, you know, we can't always just go, Hey, this weekend, we're going to go to Moab. (laughs) Yeah, no, you, it's not feasible if you live in a city, but you can also grow plants, even if it's just a little tiny garden, just having their hand in the soil. You can even have it inside. You know, you can create nature inside. And I think it does the same. I mean, you have, you know, natural things on the inside of your home that you can touch and smell and see and they grow and um, those things are healing. I was just talking to take care of them. Yes. I was just talking to a mom yesterday about that sort of thing. Like, you know, what do you do if you're not in the country or things are less accessible? And um, our, our kids are older now. We've got like a teenager and Anyway, they're all in orthodontics, um, which is <laughs> just like something you never think about when you always say it, you're like, oh, okay, in 10 years, we're going to be going to the orthodontist all the time. But, um, you know, all with the COVID, time. yeah, right. With COVID, we couldn't go into the waiting room. And so um, for this yeah. time period, and so we go to the orthodontist and I've got five kids, you know, so I'm like, okay, well, I've got these two little girls. What am, you know, what am I supposed to do with them during this orthodontist appointment? And so we would sit in the parking lot, you know, on the sidewalk. And, and when you stop... And you just sit and it's just complete mm. concrete. There's all sorts of nature. There's ants that are carrying little pieces of cracker. And there are birds yes. that have made nests on the side of the building. And there were so many things to watch just sitting yes. in the parking lot. So many things right. about nature. So, and all of those things help. They help with eyesight and they help with attention span. And um, that's well, beautiful. That's, I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust 
to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. Let's talk about one more topic uh, before we wrap up that um, about your dad that you brought yeah. up really at the, at the very beginning that piqued my interest. And you said he was, um, you know, in foresting and, and you would go into the woods and he knew all this information, you know, this one could be used mm-hmm. for soap. And, and it piqued my interest because I think a lot of times we look at nature time as frivolous, I think as a society, but it being outside offers this avenue to learn a f- and just this expansive amount of information, especially yes. for kids that are interested in that. Um, and so I, I'm, I'd love to hear just a little bit more about your dad and sort of the things that he did and the things he knew. And I think other people would love to hear about that too. It sort of gives you, you know, I, I would imagine there's people that are listening that have kids that are really interested in the trees and they, and they see the differences in the leaves and, and they notice they're nature smart. I've, I've heard the phrase before. So yeah. Um, tell us, oh, tell I love us that. that. Oh, I, he is my, one of my favorite topics. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was lucky enough to have the greatest dad on the planet. Yeah. Um, you know, my dad wasn't, it's so interesting because, you know, these things that we think kids really care about the toys and the gifts and the this and the that. My dad wasn't really into that. Like, you know, he didn't really buy stuff for us or like, and nor did we ever miss it actually. Like we weren't kids that got a lot of like gifts throughout the year. We would get a few things for a birthday and then Christmases were always really nice, but like, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And my favorite memories, uh, you know, are from being outside as a kid. And a lot of that comes from my dad. Mm -hmm. And my dad was the most present human being I've ever, like ever known. You were in the car with him and he was like, you know, he was so present (laughs) 
that he would forget to pick us up from school or forget to take <laughs> us to school because he was so present at what he was doing. And then I would call him and say, oh, dad, you're, you forgot us. We have to go to school. And he'd go, oh, gosh, and get in the car. And like he'd be coming in on two wheels to get us and then take us to school because he was just that present wherever he was. Yeah. And so that was something that I picked up on. And now I think about all the time with him, you know, as you look back when you lose somebody, you, mm. you're thinking of all the memories and everything they taught you and all the gifts that they gave to you. I mean, we would be riding down the road and my dad would point out the trees and say, here's the cool thing about those trees. And this is, and I think the other thing about that is like, you get this connection to something that is much bigger than you. And you yeah. form this beautiful relationship with, you know, for me, I, I always find it really interesting, especially coming from a place in the world where most everyone associates themselves like with a church or as Christian or something like that. And, but that the connection of protecting mother earth is not there. Hmm. Right. You know, we talk about climate, climate change and they go, Oh, whatever, that doesn't exist. And I'm like, Okay, well, let's put that aside, even if it doesn't exist, right? If God created the heavens and the earth, right? Mm. And we were placed here to be of service in the world. It doesn't just mean being of service to other human beings. It also means protecting this beautiful planet that God gave us, right? Yeah, I know that's really interesting. There's another book um, called by Joel Salatin. And I, I don't know if that's how you say his name. He's a farmer in the, in the Shenandoah yeah. Valley. and um, and his book is called The Marvelous Pigness of Pigs, which is a, just a really oh. f- funny title. But he talks about like just kind of the glory of every individual thing. Like the, it's marvelous oh, that yes. pigs are how they are. And then he talks about yes. how there's this redemptive power that we can go. Yeah. Is he, ch- he talks about his farmland. I think that it goes generations back. And yeah. how they were able to do things through manure and through turning the waters different ways. And restore the land, you know, this land that maybe didn't grow anything and they were able to do these things. So then we've thought about that a little bit. We just started doing some farming and about how, you know, by planting these wildflowers, then the bees get to come and and they're, you know, so there is a lot of that, that we can impact in small and Yes, Mm -hmm. 100%. And my dad infused that into everything. Yeah. Every single thing, the marvel of how nature works yeah. and, you know, and how we are all created. We are all these like divine, divine beings that were created yeah. on purpose for a purpose and everything has a purpose. And, yeah. you know, we would talk about that with certain flowers or certain bushes or certain trees. And, and the other thing about my dad, you know, you, you like, and I, I will save this story for the end. Cause you usually ask like, what's one of your favorite childhood outdoor memories, yeah, yeah. but you know, yeah, tell, him, us. tell us. I, I will go ahead and throw it out. You know, for, for me, one of my favorite childhood memories, I mean, I had all of my favorite childhood memories are outdoors, like truly yeah. like, you know, but one of my very, very, very favorites was my dad had come home. I would, I had flown, I think I was living in Los Angeles. I'd come back. Uh, to visit my family and my dad always would come home early for you know from work if I was home and he comes inside he changes his clothes and he picks up buckets and he goes you want to go pick some peanuts you know he lived in the farm like he loved his his mother died at 97 and up until she was 93 or 4 she was in her garden wow 
Wow. That is powerful. Planting. Right? Yes. Yes. And my dad was loving the earth. And um, so he picks up the buckets. He goes, you want to go pick some peanuts? And I said, yeah. So we get in the car. You know, he puts James Taylor on. He had a Jeep Wrangler. So it was, you know, you could hear the music. And and we go over to the field where the peanuts were planted. And he just keeps James Taylor on. And um, and you could see the sky. And I love this in South Georgia. Um, you could feel when the rain is coming. You know, yeah. you could sense when the rain was coming. You your could ba- smell your it body, in the air. Your body knew. Your yeah. body knows. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could kind of look up and go, mm-hmm, it's coming. And my dad, you know, he did that. He, both of us kind of like looked up and we were like, hmm, I think it's about to rain. So we just kept picking and listening. We didn't talk about anything. There was nothing we talked about. We just both sang and listened to music and hummed along and put our hands in the dirt and picked up the uh, peanuts. For those that don't know, they they grow underground on these little bushes and uh, I didn't know and and put them in the buckets. And and sure enough, before before we could even get done picking everything, the skies opened up and the rain just came pouring down on us. And we just started running and jumped in the Jeep and this rain was just pouring down and we were laughing so hard and trying to get back to the house because it's like, I don't know if you've been in the South when it rains. I mean, it <laughs> rains. Um, and it's so simple, right? Mm-hmm. It's such a simple memory. So nothing simple. giant, nothing giant happened. But if, but if you, I can literally to this day, kinesthetically, I can still feel that dirt, the cold wow. dirt wow. on my fingers. I can smell wow. the rain. I know exactly what my dad was wearing. I could hear the buckets going into the back of the truck. Wow. That's the kind of presence that we need. Yeah. And, and we don't get that, right? We don't get that. But with my dad, it was always like, wow, he was, and I just feel like, you know, I talk about Jesus a lot and why I love Jesus so much. And I tell people like, listen, you don't even have to believe in the Bible or even if the Bible, like for people who don't believe in, and I'll say, look, even if it wasn't real, even if the Bible is just a whole made up thing, let's just, you know, say that, right. If if that's your theory, Mm -hmm. I still want to be Jesus. You well, know, I still, right, I still want to right. be the guy who like went to where there was need and went to yeah. towards the people who were vulnerable. But it's still interesting, Nikki, because I, well, I posted last night just on Instagram um, because I'd heard the speaker earlier this fall, and I, I, same thing, you know, it's like the Bible has applicable things and and has mm-hmm. things for us, whether you're a Bible believer or not. But this speaker talked about um, the verses where Martha and Mary were with Jesus. And yeah. Mar- this is just really making me think about it. And Martha was doing, 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 and Mary yeah. was hanging out with Jesus. And it sounded like this scene in my home where, where, Mar- where Martha says to Jesus, like, Mary's not helping, you know, to, and, and it specifically says, tell her, you know, like, tell yeah. her to help more. Or something. Yeah. I'm like, this is like my kids, like they're taking out the garbage and they're like, well, that kid's not helping. I'm like, this is like right out of my home. And Jesus responds and says, Mary has chosen the better thing and what she has chosen will not be taken from her. And so this speaker mm. was talking about that, that phrase about it will not be taken from her. Like these memories that we have and these times when we choose relationship over doing and we choose being present over running around, that those will not be taken from us. And you have so eloquently 
given the best example because you said you had yeah. this memory and you remember all of it. And it was well, that was my dad. Me. That's yeah. right. That was my dad. He lived, he was the of anyone I knew, he was the living embodiment of how Jesus lived his life. Wow. And so what a gift. you know, so that's the thing, you know, my dad died at 66 years old from Pick's mm. disease, which is, you know, a neurodegenerative disease. It's a very rare and aggressive form of dementia. And he was 66 and he was so young, but I yeah. got, you know, 42 years of a man who lived his life like that. Yeah. Yeah. What a gift. What a legacy. What, what, a legacy. what, a, what a gift. And the way that I want to show up in my own life, it makes me emotional yeah. for my children. Yeah. It's one day when I pass, I want them to be able to say yeah. that my mom taught me what was the most important in life. Yeah. And the most important is soul connection with being in relationship with other living, breathing things. Yeah. And that extends beyond even human beings. It extends into nature. It sure does. Right? It sure does. Yeah. Nikki, this has been just so delightful and so inspiring. And I cannot wait for people (laughs) to hear this. It's coming out in November, right before Thanksgiving. It's going to be the perfect time. Um, Just before we wrap up, if people uh, want to find you, um, I want to know about the two movies that are coming out. Right. um, So tell us about that. So I have two movies coming out, um, both of them Christmas. One of them I'm in called Mm -hmm. Five More Minutes, and you can catch that on Hallmark uh, November 20th, I believe. Um, And it is, uh, it's a love letter to my dad. The movie is about grief. It is based on um, a Scotty McCleary song. He's a country music singer who wrote a song called Five More Minutes after his grandfather passed about wanting to spend five more minutes with his grandfather wow. and wow. the movie, the movie really, you know, cause some people were like, Oh, do you think you're going to be able to handle going to do this right now? And something inside again, listening to your body, my body told me you have to go do this movie. And I am so mm-hmm. glad I did because what it reminded us of and what I learned with my dad, you know, especially with dementia, and I am going to say this because there are people listening who have loved ones who are dealing with this. Yeah. I heard over and over and over and over again. They're not there, Nikki. They're not there. Mm-hmm. He's not there. He doesn't know who you are. He, I heard this over and over again, you know, as I was panicked to try to get back to him. He doesn't know who you are, Nikki. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And I'm going to tell you this. I, it, he knew. Yeah. I'm going to share one little story and I know, I know we're going a little long, but when I first saw him, when I first saw him and drove across country and I hadn't gotten to see him in a year, drove across country and I'm sitting in front of him and I'm trying to open this little Debbie cake for him. He loves little Debbie cakes. And he was, and I, and I'm like, I'm going to see if he knows me. I'm going to see. So I said, dad, look at my hands. I was like, first of all, I go, do you know me? And he looks at me and he's trying to figure out, she's trying to place a name. Yeah. He's trying to say the name, right? But he can't get, you know, he was practiced, he was almost, 
he didn't have words at this point in the disease. Like his speech had been taken away from him almost completely. And so he's looking at me and I said, look at my hands, look at my hands. I have your exact hands. He takes his finger and he starts to trace the outside and the inside of my hands and my palms. And then he puts his hand up and he puts mine right next to it. So we're like comparing our hands and he looks at that. He looks up at me. A smile crosses his face. And wow. I said, you know who I am, don't you? Yeah. And he shakes his head. Yeah. Two weeks later, two weeks later, I'm having to say goodbye. We have to drive back across country. I am falling apart. I don't know how to say goodbye to him. I don't want to say goodbye to him. I'm sobbing. He gets me in the truck. We shut the door. And then before I turn on the car, he takes the palm of his hand and he presses it up against the window of the car. Now for a man, and I put my palm on the other side of that window and he looks at me dead in the eyes and he nods. For a man who can't remember something that happens five seconds or 10 seconds before, but two weeks later, he remembered that connection. That's the soul. Yep. That is the soul. So when you think that somebody is out of it and they do not know, let me tell you, you connect deeper. Their body. Go deeper because their body knows. So this movie, Five More Minutes, is about the soul connection and how even after they pass, they never really leave you and you are connected in a soul level for the rest of your life. So if anybody's hungry for that, November 20th on Hallmark. And then if anybody's have a movie night. (laughs) And then if anybody else is hungry for something that's um, you know, it's uh I I, we we developed it and we wrote it for Hallmark. It's called uh Christmas for Keeps, and it's a different movie that I'm not in, and it's it's uh it's I call it the big chill for Hallmark, and it also is a movie. It's these kids, they're on the precipice of 30, and they lose someone that's important to them in their life for the first time. It's like that first shock of losing somebody that's really important and they all come home to celebrate this beloved teacher we wanted to do a love letter to teachers after the year Aww. and a half that they've had i love so, the purpose behind <laughs> all of these yeah so we wanted yeah. to like create a story that really honored people these teachers these people in our lives that are some of them our greatest inspirations and help mold us to become the people that we yeah. are so it's really a love letter to teachers and it's called Christmas for Keeps and that one comes out I think it's December 18th but you this can find so it all on exciting. Hallmark. <laughs> no, so so do you know is Hallmark a thing where you know all the other Hallmark people and I say this because our best friends had a Hallmark movie filmed in their home like what? a couple of years ago it's called Miracle on Christmas so I don't know if oh, you know yeah. all of the it's just like a super random thing that they were going to be out of town for a while and they put their house up on Airbnb and it was like the house that fit the movie and so they actually had two films filmed in their home so amazing um, it's really it's all these all these i think every everything is leading me to watch hallmark movies <laughs> come watch hallmark movies yeah um, it's, it's yeah. a great thing to do especially around the holidays well well before we before we part um you have so much going on um with different organizations and <laughs> spokespersons and where can people find more about you and beyond the acting, you know, I mean, co-founder of the blog, what we are, I mean, this list is extensive. Um, 
It's spokesperson for Alzheimer's, uh, the board of Mind What Matters. Where can people kind of find more about you, about Nikki? I would just tell if you're interested in, uh, you know, I mean, acting and writing and producing and stuff, that's my job. I love it. It's an awesome job, but really Mm -hmm. and truly, it is a, a way for me to just raise money and awareness for causes that I love. Like that is the the portal that I get to do the things that I'm really passionate about, which is helping people. Um, Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. um, If you're interested in children and the health of children or anything about Alzheimer's or dementia, you can follow me on Instagram where I, I put up a lot of stuff about it. There's a lot of talks that I've had with doctors and, um, Nick Deloach, N I K D E L O A C H. Follow me on Instagram there. And then you can also, you know, I talk to a lot of people on DM who DM me and say my mom or my grandmother, my dad, or my child, was diagnosed with this and my, or, Mm. and I will, we will talk. I will say like, where do you live? What's the heart defect? Okay. Would you be able to get to Los Angeles to be able to go to children's hospital of Los Angeles? Because it's one of the top three children's hospitals in the world. I believe, I mean, in the country also the best, in my opinion, um, you know, I'm a board member there. So like, of course, but they've Um, also saved my child three times. So it's like, you know, I know what they do and I know the heart in which they do it. So if you're interested in any of those things, and especially if you're, uh, for Alzheimer's and dementia, I'm having the walk to end Alzheimer's. Um, the big LA walk is November 6th. However, you can walk from anywhere in the country. And if you're, and if you want to come and go to my Instagram and click on my link tree, you can sign up to walk with me from wherever you are. And it's such a cool, beautiful thing to do. I love doing walks because a, you get outside, you You move your grief, you move your trauma, you move Mm -hmm. your trauma, you get the whole family involved and friends. I mean, I, I have, you know, people that walk all over the country and we, you know, FaceTime and we Instagram and we post pictures and oh, we so all cool. celebrate together. What a way to connect. All, right. Such a cool way to connect. And that I believe, like, I don't love social media, but I choose to use social media in a way that is positive and actually a connective tissue for all of us who are going through, whether it's hard things or good things, or, you know, whether we're celebrating or grieving, like that's the way that I choose to use it. And, um, so go to my Instagram and come and sign all right, up. And we'll walk find everything me. there. Nikki, <laughs> thank you. I'm going to tell Sally Luca. We had a conversation. Yes, I will. Nikki, thank you. And I, uh, I can't wait to connect again in the future. Me too. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not 
my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. 